Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and we're coming to you right off the back of a, shall we say, newsworthy Mexican Grand Prix, especially if you enjoyed the first 15 seconds. The rest of that, not so much, but hey, we'll get into that. Hey, joining me on this week's episode of Hot Takes Wednesday from McLaren Fan TV, you may have also seen them on the Last Lap podcast, it's Mahad. Good to see you, mate. How's it going? I'm great, thank you. How are you, Dre? I feel like we actually had a good Mexican Grand Prix compared to last year because I tried to look at that and it was... I, I, I had to do some work and do some like things like quizzes for the website for last year and I, I'd forgotten that last year's race had even happened and then I had to watch the highlights back and I was like yeah nothing really did happen last year so this this was automatically an improvement <laughs> so honestly if you check the comments on there anybody that's listening the first three comments are how did you get highlights out of this race how did you get 11 minutes out of this? <laughs> yeah, like it was a whole six minute video montage. I, I, I was actually impressed they were able to get something out of it. So this was automatically a step in the right direction. And fun yeah. enough, one of the takes on the episode is to do with that. So we'll get into that uh, quite uh, quite shortly, we should say, on this one. But uh, yeah, let's get into it. For those who don't know, because as I always say, every podcast is someone's first. On Hot Takes Wednesday, you, the fine WTF1 audience, send in your hot takes uh, regarding anything in Formula 1, really. Um, places you can do that, twitter.com forward slash WTF1 official. Look out for the Hot Takes Wednesday post that go, goes out normally on a Monday morning. You can also DM me on Instagram if you like, Dre Harrison WTF1. So follow me on there and you can send in your takes over there as well. Try to get some of those in. And you can email us at contact at WTF1.com. All the hot takes there get forwarded on to yours truly. Once we do that, me and Mahad, we'll have a little bit of a back and forth on each of the takes, and then we'll score them on a scale of one to five, one being that we strongly disagree and five being that we strongly agree. Now, Mahad, are you going to play on hard mode, which means you can only use the free rating once? We don't like fence-sitters on this show. I'm not <laughs> even going to use the free rating once at all. I'm not even going to use it. I'll, I'm going ultra hard this time. I like it. I like his attitude. Uh, that's the first person that's ever said they're not going to use the free rating at all. That's going to be I'm interesting. I, I love it. I love the commitment to the bit. I think that's fantastic. So this is going to be a fun one, uh, definitely. So, Mahad, are you ready for Hot Takes Wednesday? I am very, very ready. Let's go. Let's do this. Take number one comes from Glenn on Twitter. And Glenn said, and this was, a, this was one that immediately jumped off the page to me when I was looking through him. George Russell is not an elite driver. Leclerc, Norris, and Piastri all beat him in equal machinery. I was like, whoa, okay then. George Russell is not an elite driver. Leclerc, Norris, and Piastri all beat him in equal machinery. Now, Mahad, you run a YouTube channel called McLaren Fan TV, so I think it's only fair as McLaren's official correspondent on this episode that you chip in on this one first. I, I, I definitely feel like I need to speak in because obviously Oscar and Lando are involved in this conversation here. Of course. Um, I think Norris over the past year or so, has, uh, his stocks have declined. Really? Fans. 
especially considering last year coming into Mercedes, beating Lewis Hamilton in his first season at Mercedes, mm. uh, winning that race in Brazil, getting pole in Hungary as well, and winning the sprint race in Brazil. Uh, stocks are at all-time high, and I feel like this year, things the, the kind of luck factor you may have, may have had with uh, safety cars hanging out there mm. last year has reverted back to the norm now. And, okay, if you was a fan and you're looking at, looking at George Russell's season on paper, he's got one podium, and he's 69 points behind his teammate in Lewis Hamilton. Mm. If you was to just look at that in paper without looking at all the context of the season so far, you'd say this man is being slaughtered by his teammate. Yeah. <laughs> but but there are a lot of nuances here. A lot of the good luck that he had last year has turned into bad luck this year. We've seen some stellar drives. We've seen some drives in Silverstone. Then he gets uh, kind of mugged off by the safety car. Same with Oscar Piastri as well. We see Australia had a great drive. Engine blows up. We see Zan Vaught, same issue with Lando Norris, strategies, tried to hang out there for a bit too long in the rain, got done over there as well. Mm. And then we've seen the other side with the mistakes. We've seen Singapore absolutely flawless the whole weekend by George Russell, apart from that last lap where he crashed out. <laughs> that small inconvenience. That small inconvenience. There. We saw Monaco, where podium was on in Monaco. Yeah, I think I agree. Podium was on and there. Then, and then the mistake happens, he slides out. And then loses that podium, example, uh, podium chance as well. So I feel like there's been a lot of swings and balances for him, and he's now dealing with a rejuvenated Hamilton. Mm. Hamilton that's more comfortable in the car, and Hamilton does this. He makes good drivers look bad. He's got history in this. Yes. As well. So uh, he's motivated for his eighth title, and the kind of he's feeling more comfortable in the car, and it's going to make he's out of all these drivers that is having a conversation in this take. He's the one that's going up against a seven-time world champion. Right? Yeah. So I have to take that into account, even as a McLaren fan. I don't want to be biased here. You know? <laughs> that this guy's going up against Hamilton. I would Hamilton's going to make you look bad. I would have forgiven you a little bit for a small tinge of bias, given it's a part of the brand and all that, but I, I respect the approach. <laughs> yes. But, but like, quality's being close, but the race pace is just not there yeah. compared to Hamilton. And I feel like, um, is this his limit? No, but this is the first stumbling block he's having at Mercedes and we're seeing this in person when you compare his points tally and his podium tally compared to the people around him we're talking about your school Patrice, you're talking about your Lando Norris you're talking about your science Alonso so on and so on he's just not there at the moment so I can understand this take coming out mm. so I understand people thinking he's not on Leclerc's level he's not an elite driver I think that's two conversations are you an elite driver are you uh, would you beat Leclerc Oscar or Lando in equal machinery? That's two different questions, right? There. Yeah, I'll I, I tell you how I feel about it. I feel oh. like Russell was outstanding last year. No matter which way you slice it, I mean, okay, yeah, I, I fully agree. There was some nuance to his season last year. Hamilton got the rough end of the stick with some safety cars. But I think the worst you could say about Russell last year was that he gave Hamilton a genuine problem on um, week to week. Um, unlike most teammates Hamilton's had in his career, Russell was absolutely able to trade shots with Lewis week to week. And that is already a glowing endorsement of Russell in his first year in a, in a big name team. You can't ask for much more than that um, in the grand scheme of things. This year, I fully agree. He has not been as competitive as he was last year. I think Hamilton has driven ex exceptionally well. I think 
if there was a best of the rest standing outside of Max Verstappen, I think Hamilton would be number two on a pound for pound list easily. Um, Hamilton, I think, has just he's, he's stepped up his game back half of this year, certainly. And George has, I think, struggled to keep up with him. I think you're absolutely right. His, his qualifying pace is excellent. I think it's right up there with, with Lewis. It's very close between them. Race pace, he struggled, especially these last two rounds. I mean, Hamilton was pushing Verstappen for the win at Cota, and he was the clear number two man in Mexico again, that, the back half of that race. He, I thought the Ferraris were going to catch Hamilton with the harder tyre coming into play, but it just never happened. Like, Hamilton's medium tyre pace was fantastic. Um, regards to the second half of this take, yeah. I could certainly entertain a conversation that Leclerc and Norris might be him in equal machinery. I think those two names... You could have an interesting back and forth, and I would certainly entertain an argument. Leclerc, I think, is a fantastic driver. I think he gets a bit of a bad rap. I think he makes one or two mistakes a year, and I think people love to zone in on that whole Leclerc is a choker narrative, and I've never believed that at all. I think if you looked at the back, the first half of last season, Leclerc, that was all the evidence I needed to see that Leclerc, if he gets a championship-level car, can absolutely yeah. run with the best of them. Again, I think he's a top five driver in the sport right now. I think um, that Mexico comeback from 17th to 5th was one of the best drives of his career. I think that was outstanding. He had no business picking off 12 people like that. And it was a race that you were trying to save where you could. A lot of lifting and coasting, a lot of managing your power unit because of the because of the lower altitude. And Norris was carving people up in the second half of that race. That was exceptional. So those two guys, I could certainly say, yeah, I could entertain an argument one way or another, um, but in regards to maybe being better than George, pound for pound. Piastri, I think we need to pump the brakes on just a little bit. I'm excited about Piastri. I think his overall pace, I think, is exceptional. As I've mentioned on this show a couple of times before, I think his tyre management is needs a little bit of work. I think that's where he struggles a little bit compared to Norris. But for outright speed, He's walked into that McLaren and pretty much, you know, he's he's 1% behind Norris in terms of raw speed, which is incredible for a, for a rookie um, to, to be able to do that. So I'm excited about what Piastri can do in the future. I don't think he's on that level just yet. Maybe give it another year he can have that conversation about Piastri. Um, overall, though, like, is like Russell's not an elite driver. I mean, what? Like, how do you define an elite driver? It's like that football argument. What, how do you deem a world class player? Like, what's your definition of that phrase? Is like I would say, if you're in that top five conversation, then I think we can entertain that. Is is a fun one for you, Mahad? How many drivers would you take above George pound for pound right now? I would probably take obviously Max. I'll take Hamilton. Yeah, I'll take. Alonso, yeah, I'll take uh, Charles Leclerc, and I'll take Leclerc. Uh, I'll take Norris as well. So that's five. So he's in that conversation. Yeah, if there was a top five, he's, he's around a six mark at the moment. I, I, I think and that's I totally about agree right. With your assessment on yeah. on on the Leclerc and uh, Lando conversation, because Lando, since he's had that upgrade, is been a top three driver in Formula One. This, this Absolutely, yeah. I think so. I'm doing my and top he's ten. Transcended. Yeah. He's transcended. He's, he's, and w- when we talk about the advantage that Russell had in the first half of the season, mm. he's already leapfrogged him in the championship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he's had he's had an inferior car for half the season, 
and been able to leapfrog Russell. That kind of just shows Russell's season this year. And Leclerc has had his fair share of bad luck this year as well. Yeah, Ferrari's definitely a bit stronger in the back half than they were in the first half of the season, definitely. They've they've also, I think, addressed some of their concerns as well. I think that that two to seven range is a very interesting place as well. I mean, we, we don't even mention Fernando Alonso's name in all this yet. And Alonso was, again, incredible first half of the season. I think Aston Martin's had some some, some minor difficulties in the second half, as we'll get to later on in the show. But um, yeah, I, I think... I'll tell you how I feel number-wise on this take. I am... Um, and I don't do this very far. I'm going to say three. And the reason why I'm going to say three here is because I think Russell is a borderline elite driver. I think his first year at Mercedes proved he absolutely has elite level upside, in my opinion. I think you you don't keep Hamilton honest unless you're a very, very good driver. Um, This year, I've raised a couple of doubts. It's the first first time in, in what? He's done, what, five? This is his fifth season in F1 now? Um, It's the first time I've had any real doubts about him as a driver. And we're comparing him to arguably the greatest of all time in Lewis Hamilton in the other seat. So maybe I think this take is is based a little bit a little bit of based on what have you done for me lately. Um, And that's understandable. It's a hot take. That's the whole point. So I would say. I think three is a fair assessment of where this is at. I think Russell is borderline elite, and I think two of the three names, I would say, are in the conversation to be better than him. Piastri, I need to wait a little bit on as well, so I'm taking a little bit of that into account as well. So I don't normally sit on the fence with a take like this, but I'm going to say three on this one because I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it, and I think you could bend your argument one way or another depending on how you looked at how good you think George is. I think Leclerc and Norris are maybe a little bit better, have a little bit more of a proven track record at that level. Um, so I'm going to say three. I think that's a, I think that's a, a, a fair place to put it, is what I would say. How about you, Mahad? Okay, so with with Oscar Piastri, I feel like, obviously, he's going he's going places. This guy's already proved, mm. look, in Qatar, winning a sprint race. He's shown that look, the lim- he he is a race winner in Formula One. It's going to happen. Definitely, he's going to have challenge for championships in the future. So, but he's still learning. I've I've seen it throughout the seasons. Throughout this season, when he's gone to a track that he does not know, it has to bed in. Doesn't really understand the time management on that. When it's tracks that he's been to before in F two and previously, he's looked quite comfortable. Mm. Let's say Spa. Let's say Hungary. He's looked a little bit more comfortable. So, uh, Oscar, I don't think he's there yet with Russell. Uh, Leclerc and Lando I would agree with this person's take that if they go in equal machinery that Leclerc and Lando would absolutely pip him just now and if we're talking about this season and we're talking about this take in the context of this season I would say he's not been an elite driver this year so I'm just giving it a four Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No. If if somebody put a gun to my head, I would probably lean more towards four than two on that scale. If um on on that one, so like I could certainly see an argument for that. Definitely. So, yeah. I think overall, I think three is a little bit fairer. But I, again, I can totally see an argument for four. Take number two comes from Will Williams. What a name that is, by the way. Um, hi, Will. Um, Will's take reads: The Mexican Grand Prix is boring because of the track. Checo and the fans are the only reason F1 hasn't gotten rid of it. The track doesn't promote good racing and is the worst on the calendar. 
worst on the calendar wow someone really doesn't like mexico uh, <laughs> one more time mexican grand prix is boring because of the track checo and the fans are the only reason f1 hasn't gotten rid of it the track doesn't promote good racing and is the worst on the calendar do you know what i i looked at it i went okay let me go look at all the tracks that are on the calendar this year have a look at evaluate all the I races did that too. <laughs> and they've got a point They've actually got a point. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 because I'm, I'm looking at it now. Bar Vegas, which is a completely unknown. Yeah. That could be either the worst race ever, or it could be great. We don't know yet about Vegas. But I feel like this is a prime candidate for a bad race. Honestly, I don't... I think the red flag saved it this year. I feel like all the shenanigans uh, with, the, with the offset on tyres because of that red flag mm. kind of made it a little bit more exciting. But if that never happened, I feel like it was going to be a snooze fest. We were, we were heading towards a nap in that race <laughs> yeah so, yeah <laughs> and this track is not apart from the turn one at the start of the race this track over the years has not produced good racing i have to be honest i feel like the highlights are quite when do you see, when do you look back and say that was an absolute banger of a race in mexico never i don't think so no I, I, you're probably right on this one annoyingly i mean here's how i looked at it right yeah. From a commercial standpoint, because Will does mention this in this take about the fans and Checo. Look, it, it, Formula One, um, if we're being honest with ourselves as fans, they don't pick this calendar based on what produces good racing. And that's the unfortunate nature. It's a, it's a marketing-heavy sport. We all know that. They, they love North America and Central America. We've gone from one U.S. Grand Prix to three in the last couple of years. Um, you know, look, let's put it this way. Yeah. There's a good reason that Zanvoort recently came back on the calendar. And it wasn't because it was going to be a good racetrack. <laughs> we all know <laughs> why we're going to Zanvoort again, right? So, like, it's one of those things where I've tried to have a bit of mercy here because it's not about race. It's not about quality of race, unfortunately, for better or for worse. And look, I can't argue with a 400,000 weekend attendance. Like the fans roll out for Mexico. And I think this is a, this is a positive towards the country in general. Their sports fans are loyal as all hell. Like if you, you, you go to, you, you watch any random F1 weekend, you will always see a pocket of Mexican fans there. You'll see the Mexican flag. Checo is extremely popular in that part of the world. Mexico gets behind their own, and I have to respect that. Um, and like I said, 400,000 weekend attendance. I think that's automatically in the top five for biggest pulls for a Grand Prix weekend you get. That's up there with Silverstone and some of the American rounds we've had as well. So 400K is enormous. And if you're a sport, gate receipts are a huge part of, of what makes you money. So on that standpoint, you're probably right, Will. <laughs> Annoyingly, um, <laughs> it's, I, 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 don't, I don't think I'm against it. A bit being a race being in Mexico, a race has right. to be in Mexico. I just feel like this isn't the track. It's gimmicky with the stadium. Yeah, there's not really much overtaking opportunities. It kind of it, it, it does. It's not as hard as on the tires that you think it is. So it's usually a one stop. It doesn't really just throw out curveballs out there weather wise either. Mm. It just doesn't stand out compared to the other races and and they and Pirelli bad. tried this year deserve a race yeah and yeah, they deserve a race and Pirelli tried this and they brought they brought the even softer tires than they brought last year they went C three four five instead of two three four and even that didn't work I mean the red flag didn't help because it, it took a pit stop away for a lot of a lot of the runners in the field anyway um, but they tried it, it was looking like it could have been a two stopper but then again K Mag's red flag 
basically killed strategy from a from a certain standpoint as well. Was that's just more bad luck than anything else. Um, but from a racing standpoint, you're probably right. I think in, in the take is probably correct in that Mexico is probably down the bottom, and it wouldn't be the first truck I would chalk off the calendar. But it would probably be in the top three or four of tracks that I would be. If I was looking at the calendar and saying, "Hey, if I want a better racing calendar, what can I get rid of?" and Mexico would probably be quite high up on that list. Um, it's like as a fan who likes to think he's got a decent head on the situation. Of course, there's other elements that come into play as to why Mexico is on the calendar, and I completely understand why that is. But it's not a great track for racing. Now, I, I, I'll definitely put it bottom three. I would definitely put it bottom three. I was, look, I was, I was, it was a toss up between that and Miami. I do not like Miami. Miami's up there. Monaco is always going to split the room with certain people. I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, I know a lot of people like that traditional vibe of how you keep keeping an original Grand Prix on there. I get that. Um, however, I disagree because I think tradition is peer pressure from the dead. So Monaco, <laughs> so I'd have no problem if Monaco went tomorrow, but again, you could, there's, there's, there's mitigated circumstances where you could maybe again, argue one way or the other. And Matt is Mexico's biggest argument, the commercial aspect of it. It draws a massive audience. It has a big popular hometown runner in it. Um, uh, it, it draws good money. It's an, and the atmosphere is brilliant. Like I love seeing the vibe of the Mexican paddock. Like you get the Day of the Dead traditions, and people do seemingly really enjoy being in Mexico. It's just unfortunately the track itself and the racing is not great. Um, annoyingly, I've already written like a, a an article that goes alongside the series now. It's called Extra Heat, where I talk about it a little bit more. And annoyingly, in that post, I originally gave it a two. I disagreed with this because of that commercial. But now you've talked me round on this, Mahad. So I'm, I'm not a pure racer. Man. I'm a pure racing man. I look at the numbers. I'm looking at the racing. I am a nerd. You forget this about me. So um, yeah, but the racing side of my brain has kicked in now. We've talked about it a bit more. So I think I'm going to go the other way on this now, and I'm going to say four because yeah, I think it is. Thinking about it a bit more, I think it is one of the worst rounds on the calendar for racing itself, and. I'm a racing fan first. So, yeah, you're probably right on, on your take, Will. So I'm going to say four on this one. Um, there is mitigation, and you mentioned it with Checo and the fans, and that's probably the reason why Formula One loves going here. But, yeah, there's no getting around it. It doesn't produce great races. This was this was probably the best of the Mexican Grand Prix we've had, and that's not a good sign when it was a barely above-average race. Um, I scored it a six out of 10 on my race review. So I, I said it was a decent race, but it wasn't anything massively special. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to say four on this one. Will I'm in agreement. How, how do you feel about it? Um, I'm going to say four as well. Bar uh, Lando Norris's uh, overtakes. Uh, don't much to go on that one. <laughs> it helps. Bias right there. With my McLaren bias a little bit. But sure. uh, yeah, definitely a four. I don't agree that it's Checo's. Checo's the reason why they go to Mexico. I feel like obviously the race has got uh, racing in Mexico has got heritage. It's been around absolutely, yeah, very long time. And bringing that back was a good thing. Uh, I just feel like it's the wrong track. You need to build another track. That's all you got to do. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, <laughs> maybe uh, I would see you're probably right, but do does F1 want another street circuit on the calendar? Yes, they do. 
<laughs> I was trying to talk you out of it. Clearly, I was not going to sway you on this one. So fair enough. <laughs> you can't say I didn't try on that one. But uh, yeah, we'll, we're with you on that one. Uh, a four for that one. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Take number three reads as, as from Weibo 15 and he was like he says Lando Norris Charles Leclerc and George Russell will all pass Fernando Alonso in the drivers championship interesting one so yeah Different, Norris Leclerc uh, and one. Russell all to overtake Alonso in the drivers championship now for those who have who can't pull up the table right in front of them right now I'll provide some context for you because that's what we do on this show Fernando Alonso is fifth in the standings right now. He's on. He's actually he's joint fourth, but science has him on count back because he's, he's got the race win in Singapore. Alonso is in fifth on 183 points right now. Norris is 14 back on 169. Nice. And Charles Leclerc is on 166. George Russell's on 151. So the bigger question that I'm going to ask here is: Can George get there? Because George is a is minus. 32 with three rounds to go brazil is a sprint weekend there's a few more points available there as well um we've got three weekends left can all three get past alonso because we, we let's talk about alonso a little bit before we really get into this as well i mean I, I saw a stat that shocked me this morning that um the last four weekends aston martin has averaged three and a half points per weekend it's not it's it's not been good for Aston Martin since the summer break, really. I mean, they, they got the podium at Zandvoort, which which was a nice way of propping them up. But the last few weekends, they have been barely point scorers when they were racking up podiums for fun at the start of this season. I mean, where has it all gone wrong, Mahad? <laughs> it's like, you know when you get an upgrade? Mm. The, the word up is quite clear that you go <laughs> right. forward but these are very much downgrades because I feel like they might have been in a better position without upgrading the car this year they might have, if they just stuck with what they had in Bahrain they might have been a little bit uh, better than where they are at the moment because it's gone completely wrong and it's just it just shows a fundamental misunderstanding of their own vehicle their own car mm. where they can gain performance out of it and they've, they've gone down some alleyways and they can't get back up and it's, and it's become them being firmly in the midfield with Alpine. Like like just firmly there. They're not they're not part of the front runners. They're not part of that group with Mercedes, Ferrari and McLaren. They are barely scoring points. This weekend in Mexico, they were a back marker. They weren't even in the midfield. This, this was their worst weekend of the year, without any question. At least at Cota they came back well in the race and would have probably got both cars in the top eight if it wasn't for Nando's floor damage. But this weekend Alon- even Alonso was poor. Like, had a couple of spins, one in practice, he spun in qualifying, and then he was he was unlucky in the race. He picked up some floor damage that came from Checo's car, of all places. But even then, it's not like Aston Martin were competitive. Like Stroll was in the teens and then it came to positions for most of that race. And then even he got taken out by Bottas right at the end as well. But this wasn't for points. This was for like 13th place. This, yeah. this is not where Aston Martin's been for most of the year. And it's going to be unfamiliar to ter- ter- territory for Fernando. When you look at the first half of the season, he was just—he was living on the podium. He's just there at all times, and now he's just complete sitting duck in that championship, sitting there uh, with signs and not scoring points at the rates that these guys are scoring points at. 
especially look, Lando Norris is a given. On this take, Lando Norris. That's inevitable. He, yeah. he, he's living in top five, so he's going to overtake him probably in Brazil. Uh, Leclerc as well. The Ferraris look good. They've had a couple pole positions. They look like they could score a decent amount of points. Leclerc very quietly has done good work the last five or six rounds. Where he's just racking up top fives left, right, and centre. I think his, I think his last five rounds are four, 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 third, and then I think third again here. He's been very consistent lately. Exactly. <laughs> Russell's the question. Mm. That is the big question because I don't think it's a, a question of Fernando scoring points because the max he's going to come out of a race weekend is probably eight points, maybe four, maybe two. He's not going to score big, big points. He's not going to get top fives in that car. The situation he, he needs, he, he probably needs two podiums out of the last three to at least even entertain that competition because he's 33 back and yeah. you know, you get 15 for third place. So, you know, that podium's got to come. He probably needs two out of three, is what I would say would be more realistic if he if he wants to overhaul Alonso. I mean, and hope Alonso doesn't score, which I'm not sure if Aston Martin's that bad, where they go scoreless for the rest of the season. I don't think they're that bad, hmm. but it, they're not in a good place right now. But I, I, I agree with you. I think Norris and Leclerc are inevitable. I think they will overtake them given current form. Russell's a bit more of a question mark for me because... He's not finishing high enough in races. I'm looking at the situation and I go, will Russell even score 33 points between now and the end of the season, mm. let alone 33 ahead of Alonso, who I still think might get a few more points between now and the end of the year. I think Aston Martin are not in a good place, but I don't think they're going to be out of the points, if you get what I mean, because even at Cota, they came from the back and they drove well. Ironically, you mentioned upgrades. That was when Alonso reverted back to the old spec of car. Oh, wow. <laughs> a lot of people did not know that. Alonso, part of the reason they broke Park Ferme and started from the pit lane in Cota was because Alonso reverted back to the previous spec of car, which is um, not a good sign. It's a red flag of not understanding your car. That yeah. is the definition of a red flag of they don't know what's going on here. And I feel like now, at this point of the season, Alonso is a bit checked out. This, this is giving it sounds me, like he's, it. He's, he's giving me uh, McLaren Honda vibes. Like, <laughs> just retired a car. I ain't got time for this. Just grumpy, yeah. yeah. So I feel like he's the sitting target right now. It's all about if Russell can up his performances in the last few races to get 32 points. He might just come a bit short. I think maybe in the 20, around, around the 20 range. 20 yeah. range. He's not going to, I thought, even if uh, uh, Alonso's standing still, and I still think he won't stand still. I think he would get the odd point here and there in the sprint the, races. The sprint might save him because there's an extra eight points available there. That might be just enough to get him over the top. But I, I, I agree with you. I would, in regards to this take overall, I agree. Fernando's not in a good place right now, which I think is where the emphasis of this take came from. I don't think Fernando will go scoreless for the rest of the year. I think he's still a good enough driver, and I think. Cota proved that the car is still fast enough to get in the points. It's a matter of how high, and I think it's going to be more minor points than the chunkier top five sort of result. I think it's going to be more like a 7, 8, 9, 10 sort of area, and that might be enough just to prop Alonso up. Um, and if that happens, Russell's going to need a, a repeat of last year's win, maybe. Um, yes. <laughs> and If not, maybe two, maybe two to three podiums out of the last three rounds to realistically do it. So I'm going to say two on this take. Um, I used my three earlier because I agree with the first two thirds of it. I think Norris and Leclerc will overtake Alonso before the end of the season. 
I don't think Russell will get that. I think that might be one ask too many. So I'm going to say two on this one. And that's only because of where Russell is in the standings right now by comparison. How about you, Matt? Uh, I'm going to say two. I can't say one just because that question mark about Russell. When you look at it now it, at the scoring rates, uh, Landon Norris, since the summer break, Landon Norris 100 points he scored. Charles Leclerc 67 and George Russell 52. So he's, mm. he's scoring at a lower rate. Lando was at a hundred since the summer break. That's that's yes. remarkable for him. Well, <coughs> yes, um, we, we're seeing, I think Lando Norris overtakes him by the end of the Brazil weekend and could do. Charles uh, But this is the Russell question, so I would have gave it a one. But you uh, you include the Russell man. You should have. Russell <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. No, that, that's the, the, we, we take the whole thing into consideration on this show. So you know, we, we unfortunately you've put an asterisk in your own take there, uh, Weibo. But I uh, appreciate that, my friend. Take number four comes from Jaycraft, and Jaycraft says, and this is another Aston Martin take, kind of, sort of. Hulkenberg and Sonoda to Aston Martin in 2025. The car will be well developed by then, and they'll destroy the midfield. I'll tell you how I feel about this one, Mahad, oh, yeah. um, because this is an interesting one to me. Now, I'll say on the record, big fan of you, big fan of Nico Hulkenberg. I think Hulkenberg has done a very good job with a very mediocre house this year. That tire wear is butchering them, and it's it's it's. If you wanted a microcosm of that, you would watch this Mexican race because he did such a brilliant job holding. We we know the Alpine is a faster car than the Haas, and they were keep and they and he did a valiant job of keeping the Alpines behind them right until the end of that race. It was it was it was for the final point as well. Um, Hulk tried, and that's been the story of his season really. Where I think Haas for raw speed is good enough to get in the points. Like they've they've got into Q3 multiple times this season on raw pace, but that tire wear is a killer. Um, so I think Hulkenberg is still a quality driver. He's walked into Haas and he's outclassed Kevin Magnussen, who, look, I've said it on this show and I'll say it again, I think Haas dropped the wrong man last year. But oh, wow. uh, <clears throat> I, I, I've, I've said this about Mick Schumacher for some time. I think he was better than Hulkenberg. So he was better than Magnussen last year. And I think they... They got rid of him on, based on the crash damage, which smaller team, I can understand the argument, but I think Schumacher was a better driver. Um, but Hulkenberg's gone in, done a very good job with a very poor car, in my opinion. He's He's got experience. He's been with that Aston Martin camp before with when it was formerly Racing Point. He was he stood in when Vettel and Stroll had COVID uh, numerous times over during, that, during the worst of the pandemic. I'd, I'd have no issue with Hulkenberg spearheading a midfield team. That's where he made his career of, of being just a good pair of hands in the midfield. Yuki Tsunoda is the one that worries me about this. Now, Yuki Tsunoda is going into year four. He's already confirmed to be AlphaTauri for next year. AlphaTauri drivers don't normally get four seasons. Yeah. Normally, you're either promoted or you're gone by now. <laughs> it's like Red Bull doesn't quite know what to do with him, where it's like, you're not bad enough where he can get rid of you straight away, but you're not good enough to be considered in this is Sergio Perez good enough to be here argument. I could see why you've made the association, Jay, in your take, because Honda's power in this team in, in f- just under just, just under three years' time and Honda's made it abundantly clear they want a Japanese driver, which is understandable for their brand. So Yuki's the obvious pick. Um, I think it's a good team. I don't think it's a great team, 
Um, and we talked about it earlier with Aston Martin's car development. You said the car will be well developed by then and they'll destroy the midfield. Where's the evidence of that? <laughs> because like Aston Martin, Aston Martin's been here before when they're a racing point where they have a very good and opening concept, but then they can't win the development race with other teams because we've seen it this year. Aston Martin probably started this year with the second best car in Formula One. And by the time we've got to now, McLaren, Ferrari and Mercedes have all overtaken them and deservedly so. Um, they they can't win that fight and that's that's the reason why they're gonna end up fifth in my opinion and it's still a good season it's still an imp- a big improvement on where they were last year but it's gonna feel a little bit bittersweet knowing what they could have had in my opinion I, I think they could have had a genuine shot at second and hey how cool would it have been if Aston Martin can say we beat the factory team given they're both on the same power unit with Mercedes power mm-hmm. They had a shot. They had a genuine. I think a better second driver, and I think they they really have been cooking this year because Stroll has been ungood to say the yes. least. So that's how I feel about it initially, Matt. How do you feel about about this one? I think I've got the with the drivers. I have an opposite take. I feel like Yuki Sonoda. There's a reason why he's been out of tight for this long. It's because Honda back him to the hill. They're paying millions to Red Bull sure. to keep him in that seat. If they're willing to do that for four years, the team that they're uh, supplying a power unit to, he's got a guaranteed seat at, Al- at Aston Martin. I think that's part of the negotiations they had when they signed up with, uh, with uh, Speaker to Lawrence Stroll and having that conversation that we're going to supply you power units. We want one of our drivers in one of those seats. Yeah, absolutely. Do, do, they, they, do you think they... Do you think they push for that when Alonso hangs it up? Because, I mean, you've got to think you're on borrowed time with Alonso, given he's 42, as it is. And, you know, we don't normally see F1 drivers stick around into their mid-40s. That, that, that's, like, that's, that's, that's a bygone era, <laughs> yeah, by comparison. But Alonso is a bit of an outlier in, in terms of just how good he is, despite how old he is. Yeah, we, we need to look at the, the, the conversation of Aston Martin itself, drivers mm. that are there at the moment. Will Alonso be there? There's a lot of rumours out there right now that he might even not be there next year. Mm. He might be going to another team. So that's not a given that he will be at Aston Martin. Absolutely not, no. Stroll as well. Stroll is completely attached to if his father owns the team or not. If his father decides to sell the team to, say, Honda, he will not be in that seat in 2020. Right. If he is the owner still, then it would have to be Hulkenberg and Stroll or Yuki Tsunoda and Stroll. Because there's not a scenario where they drop Stroll. No. His father will not drop Stroll. No. So th- this, this is the question. If they do not, if this is the two-prong effect here. I think Yuki Tsunoda, with the Honda back in, is guaranteed to have that seat. He's been given a contract with AlphaTauri for next year because he probably knows that in 2025, he's going to be moving over to Aston Martin. And then Red Bull can say, okay, we've, got, we've dealt with that now. We don't, we don't have any more associations with Honda. We've only got one more year for the power unit. Mm. And then it's going over there. So I feel like that's just the bedding in process. I think that's a foregone conclusion. Hulkenberg, though, even though he's been at the team before, he's a wanted guy as well. Audi want him. Audi rumors as, as well. well. Yeah, yeah. They wanted to have him last year. Has kind of blocked that move from happening. Um, Hulkenberg has an opportunity to go to a better team. But is it going to be this team? I'm not too particularly sure because I think Audi won a German league. 
when they Wouldn't start hurt. this thing, they want a German name. So Hulkenberg might be that guy. They want somebody experienced and they want somebody German. And he fits that bill. So I feel like if he is going to move away from Haas, which probably is because the qualifying pace has been there, he's outperformed that car. That car cannot race, no. but it can quality. And he's shown it that he can get to Q3. No, He will be at Audi rather than Aston Martin. I think Aston Martin would go for a big, big, big name. They would try to claw one of these big drivers, a Leclerc, a Norris, somebody from one of these top teams, try to lure them with the big bank role they've got and try to make a splash like they did with uh, And their history has done that with Sebastian Vettel and Fernando Alonso. They've had no problem. I mean, they, they paid Sergio Perez 9 million quid not to come to work. So they, they have been more than prepared to splash the cash for a big marquee signing, which I do respect. But um, yeah, I, I don't... I think Aston Martin, I think I agree with you. I think they might be thinking a bit bigger than Hulkenberg if they were going to move on from Fernando Alonso, right? Yeah. I definitely think they're going to try to throw some big money, try to find a driver that's a bit, uh, like, not happy with your situation, i.e. Leclerc at Ferrari, just, and then just promise him the world. Saying Carlos? We've got, a new, we've got a new wind tunnel. Carlos as well. Carlos has been linked with Audi because of his father's links. Mm. Mark Carlos is another con- uh, another person that's a mm. candidate for that team. They will throw the bag at somebody to say, look, you are the replacement for uh, Alonso. You are leading this team. But it's not going to be Yuki Tsunoda leading the team. No. Yuki Tsunoda is there as the second driver. But they are going to throw a big, big wad of money at somebody here. I agree. Make a marquee signing. And I don't think Hulkenberg is that signing because if you are going to go on to bigger and better things, their ambition is to win the constructors. They're, it's not to be a midfield team. Like Agreed. Texas. They want to go further than that. They've got a new wind tunnel coming. They've already had this new factory going online. The infrastructure is there. They can sell that to a driver that wants to have a works team in Honda and push forward to 2026 and be a front runner. So... Uh, I feel like their ambitions are going to be a bit bigger than Hulkenberg. And I think Sonoda is there because of the Honda guarantee. Can't disagree with a lot of that perspective. I think you're completely right. I think Aston Martin are going to look at this year and they're going to be thinking bigger because they've seen what the potential of what they can do. They spent half a season second in the tra- in the championship. And if we're being analytical, we could say probably the second best team in F1 if they had a better second driver because Lance Stroll, like Alonso more than held up his end of the deal and, and Aston Martin. Stroll was a big weakness. It still is a big weakness for this team. Um, and at, some, at a certain point, you're going to need a quality second driver if you want to compete for the championship. You can't be a one-man team. Look, even Checo, for all the, for all the crap we've given him over the year, he's still a 300-point scorer. Over, over the course of his, that's more than enough given the, what Max is doing right now. So with all that in mind, Jay, I'm going to have to say one, I'm afraid, my friend, because I, 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 I don't, I like Sonoda and Aston Martin as a number two. I, I, I think as a number two in a quality car, I think he could do a job. I agree. Like, and, I want to agree because I like Hulkenberg as a driver. I genuinely do. I've always been a big fan of his as being a consistent, solid pair of hands and will not go, you will not go wrong with Hulkenberg nine times out of 10, but they're thinking bigger. And and I feel bad because Hulkenberg's always been like the nearly man. He never got a top end seat in four. He was, I think the, probably the closest we've ever come to a midfielder just not getting a top-end seat. I've heard stories, for example, that if Mercedes had never gotten Lewis Hamilton, they would have had Nico Hulkenberg. Wow. Could you imagine, like, Ross Braun said that and uh, when he was managing that team. Could you imagine how the alternate page of F1 history, if Hulkenberg is in silver rather than Hamilton, he probably wins a world title the, um, here or there at least 
at least gets that one podium. But um, <laughs> but overall, they're thinking bigger, and they've 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 clearly shown they've got the ambition to throw money at bigger names and you know more established drivers to try and spearhead their teams. Like you said, um, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel before him, they they've they've tried to have a big name driver front in their project um and hulkenberg is not that uh, as much as i like him he's not that guy so i've got to say one here because I, I also when you throw in the well-developed car and knowing what, how aston martin have generally gotten down as a team there's nothing here for me to stick on to yeah. so I've, I've got to say one here i'm afraid jay i'm sorry i don't, I don't normally break out the one because it, uh, it has to be a complete a complete disagreement for me to go one but this is a rare occasion where I think that fits. So I'm going to say one, Jay. Mahad, how do you feel about it? Um, I agree with half the take. I think Yuki, Noda, Yuki Sonoda's just nailed on because of that Honda deal. That that's, fair. That's, a fa- that's fair. That's uh, fair. But uh, the Hulkenberg, I think they're thinking bigger, just like you said. I think they're going to go for somebody big. If they don't go for somebody big and Lo- uh, Lawrence Stroll is still the owner of the team, it will be Lawrence Stroll. And it will be Stroll, Yuki Sonoda. And I don't know how far you go with Stroll, Yuki Sonoda. No. Mm-mm. The, 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 that's not a that's not a driver pairing for an elite team. You'd have to have a bonkers car to have those two carry you to a title. That, that's how I look at it. Definitely. Something on Red Bull's level, not a McLaren or Mercedes, or etc. So yeah, that that's how we feel about it. Final take of the episode comes from Jamie Cornish, and Jamie says Lando would be better off staying at McLaren and then taking Hamilton's seat when he retires, if McLaren are performing to that point then going to Red Bull and being an inevitable second driver to Max. So in other words, you think Lando Norris is better off staying put and then waiting to see when Hamilton hangs it up rather than make... Because we've all heard the Lando to Red Bull talk. It's come up every once in a while. It's, a, it's been a repeated room and it's come up. Um, let's go to our McLaren correspondent, Mahad, for, uh, for, for more. And you can speak from the heart of this, because this, this one directly affects the heart of your team. Lando's been there for half a decade now. How do you feel about it? Because, I mean, look, McLaren are a great team. They're not challenging for championships. Yeah. And if not, I, I, don't, I don't know how you feel about it, but me personally, Norris, I think, is good enough for if he could compete for a title with the right car. And if that happens, you surely got to think maybe he have one foot out of the door eventually. Is that fair to say? Um, I'd say that's fair to say. I'd say the scenario at the moment, uh, at the beginning of the season, was looking bleak. It was looking nailed on that he was going to go to rough uh, Red because you're looking at the scenario. He's been in Formula One for five years. McLaren have not given this guy a car to compete for race wins on a consistent basis. We've seen little purple patches here and there in mm. 2021, but let's be realistic here. The car has not been there to be fighting for wins in, for, in Formula One. So, and listen, he's been in Formula One five years, he's not had a win. He's, and the percentage of opportunity that he's had to have a win in these 100 races is probably lower than 5%. Yeah, so it's a handful. He, he's, he, he's, he's, it's, been, it's been a scenario where he's not even able to show his talent He's been in Formula 1 for this long. He's a consistent point runner to the point where he's got the third highest percentage of the drivers in Formula 1 with finishing in the points behind Max Steppen and Lewis Hamilton. The guy lives wow. in the point. Didn't just know there. that. He's mm. got that unreal consistency in Formula 1 and he's been there for a while. Red Bull have been wanting Norris for a very, very long time. Mm. Prior to joining McLaren, while he's at McLaren twice, and I think earlier this year as well, they tried to... Yeah, yeah. There's so been talk. There's always been rumblings. So... He would go toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen. 
would he beat Max Verstappen at this moment in time? Because Max Verstappen drives like an alien at the moment. He's very robotic. He's, he's, just, he's, he's untouchable. He's, it, it, it would be very difficult. Will he get race wins? Yes, he would. Would he Absolutely. get some games at Akanta? Yes, he would. But uh, the ambition of him trying to win a title, uh, it, it's going to be a very, very, very difficult task because you're going about against one of the best drivers in the world, right? Mm. So you've got that choice there. Or you stay at McLaren where you have seen one of the biggest jumps in performance in Formula One history in a car this year by McLaren. They've made the adjustments and everything that was required in terms of getting rid of James Key, restructuring the technical team, utilizing resources within the team already. People like Peter Pedromo, people like Neil Oatley, people like that don't actually know about new wind tunnel. Everything that's been put into place because there were a team that was kind of fighting with their hands behind their back because of the logistical issues of work going to a wind tunnel in Germany, taking ages to do upgrades, not really going in the right directions with James Key. And now we've seen a big flip of turnaround. We're seeing statements of intent, hiring Rob Marshall from Red Bull, hiring uh, David Sanchez from Ferrari. Mm. People that know cars, people that are that have made race-winning cars and being part of race-winning teams. The structure is there. The foundations are there. The car right now, I would say, is the closest in performance to Red Bull. Agreed. When, when it's a certain track that suits them, let's say Qatar, let's say Silverstone, let's say Suzuka, they are miles clear of the rest and they're very close to Red Bull in that margin. Obviously, Red Bull have Adrian Newey, Red Bull have Max Verstappen. Do you want to really be going toe-to-toe with them or do you want to be within that fold? That's, that's the question right now. Mm. The whole question of this take of waiting out for Mercedes, um, I think Mercedes have got a young guy that's about to enter F2 that they're making big plans for. I agree. I, I feel I, I, like they're rolling out the red carpet for this guy. Um, yeah, I mean, how many how many times do you hear about a double class jump in the junior ladder with Andrea Kimi Antonelli, who is seventeen, mad talented, won the Frecker title um, a couple of weeks ago back in Zandvoort, and um, by all accounts is going to be the guy for Mercedes going forward. I mean, we're talking for Stappen level prospect, and that. He could be he could be the guy that Mercedes pencils in down the road. 100%. I think, obviously, the opportunity of being at Red Bull is there. The opportunity, to, but and there's the opportunity to wait until the end of 2025 when his contract runs out. Look at the lay of the land, see what team would provide the best offer and who looks like they're going to make the best jump in 2026 and then make your decision from there. Because at the end of the day, I think people forget this because he's been in Formula 1 so young. He's 24 years old. He's only one year long, older he, than Oscar Piastri. He's still this very, is a very, young. very young. He's mm. got a huge, huge, long career ahead of him where he can get into a championship winning car whenever he, whenever he feels like. If he stays at McLaren, I feel like the pieces are in place to make a further leap. Andrea Stella has come out and said, look, we're limited by the chassis. We can only do 50% of what we really want to do with this car. Next year, when we build this car using the wind tunnel, we're going to be able to make even further progress. 2025, we fully build the car in the wind tunnel and our resources and all the people that are there, we will be able to challenge the race wins. And that's what uh, London Norris wants at this moment. It's not necessarily I need to win a championship. You need to uh, jump over the first hurdle of getting a race win, consistent race wins. And I feel like that's the place to be at this moment in time because I don't think any team's going to challenge next year. No, I, I think this set of regulations, it would take an awful lot for someone to overhaul Red Bull with the advantage that they've got like right now, between now and 2026, when the new regulations come through. What I would say is, I think the question you've got to ask is, how confident are you that McLaren can give you something that can challenge for 
not even necessarily for a title. I would say just maybe two or three wins a year. If you could do that, that would be a big enough incentive to keep Lando, in my opinion. I think this where McLaren are at right now is a is a good spot for them. They're probably the number two team in the series right now. Um, they've racked up podiums um, in the, in the back half of this season. It's a good place right now. I think if, if this was based on the first half of the season, I would be much more willing to entertain it. Um, the idea of maybe a Red Bull jump from a personal standpoint, the, the personal achievement of being in the number one team in the sport. Of course, a lot of this boils down to driver attitude and how much do you want to bet against yourself that you can take Verstappen on. I, I know it's a game of confidence, Formula One. It always has been. Um, Mercedes, again, I've talked about this at the, well, at the start of the season, that again, maybe a seat could be available there when Hamilton hangs it up, but then Hamilton's saying he wants five more years. So oh, wow. <laughs> he, he, he could race until his driver number, um, which would yes, be... Definitely which would be crazy. Um, but I could see it happening. I mean, we just don't know if Hamilton, he's, he's, he does, he keeps, he keeps his cards very close to his chest when it comes to um, personal feelings. So I, I don't know. It's a bit of a minefield out there at the moment. I wouldn't want to be a rebel number two personally. Um, mm. We've seen the evidence of that over the last half decade. I've I mentioned this before. What does it say about the state of rebel when Daniel Ricciardo was prepared to go to Alpine? to move away from a seat that could win races and potentially championships. It, the writing was on the wall that it's Max's team. And Ricardo is a quality driver with an outstanding resume. Um, so if someone like him can walk away from a seat like that, that says to me that I wouldn't want to be a Red Bull number two. So if 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 again if 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 it came down to a straight choice between Red Bull and Mercedes I would bet against myself to be in Mercedes set up more with the proven pedigree of them winning championships the incredible resources that they have of James Allison I was going to say Mike Elliott, but he just handed in his notice yesterday <laughs> <laughs> funny that um but Toto Wolff's done a brilliant job over there proven track record multiple championships been at the top level for a decade now they could be the ones to do it. If you were given number one status in Mercedes, maybe there would be a more reasonable fit if you think Mercedes can get back up to the back up to the point where they're winning races and championships again. But I agree with you, Mahad. If that I think McLaren's given Norris enough hope where you'd think he'd stick around to at least the end of his contract. And I think there's enough there. It would have to be a disaster in 2025 for McLaren for me to think they would sink back to fifth or sixth place, which is what they were at at the start of this season. You'd think there'd be a top three team going forward, and that should be enough, I think, to keep Norris on board for another contract. He's very loyal to that Woking team. Um, it's a big part of his brand. It's a big part of his personality. Um, so with all that in mind... I'm going to say I think McLaren's the best neutral option. And, and to be fair, in brackets, Jamie, you do say if McLaren aren't performing. So yeah. I'm going to try and take that McLaren argument off the table. I would rather be at Mercedes than Red Bull right now. So I'm going to say four overall on this. Um, I still think the best option as an asterisk is that he stays put. But if it came down to it and if McLaren do sink... I would take Mercedes over Red Bull. So I'm going to say four. 
How about you, man? Um, just, uh, just looking at Red Bull from the outside looking in, mm. I don't think they have any interest of having a competitive driver, like too, too competitive and having a dogfight in the, within their own they're team. The blat- they're, 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 they are the blatant one-two team. And that's okay. It's worked for them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't think they would want to disturb the harmony. From the outside looking in, everybody's like, get Perez out, get Perez out. But they're like, we just won the championship at a canter we don't really care we want constructors we want the driver's title so we don't care about our one to two, uh, number two at this moment in time as long as our number one is doing the job and he is so uh, it's a different type of relationship if you go to Mercedes you bet Lando Norris could wouldn't run away from a fight or would it be, it would be completely comfortable being in a team with uh, George Ross it's a different philosophy as well because they're, they're equal it's, it's an equal driver standard in that team of they've course. always just let their drivers fight so it's a different yeah. it's a different prospect entirely if you're going to rebel you're going there in the knowledge you're likely going to be the number two yeah and do you just want scraps of p2s that you're already getting at mclaren what's the point i don't really get it but with mercedes you get the opportunity to work with a team that has already won eight constructors knows how to win uh you'll be alongside george russell or kimmy antonelli depending on what happens mm. and if you're going against kimmy antonelli you're going against a rookie so you probably already have an advantage over it's really about uh, looking at the scenario, I feel like it's not even a Mercedes move. I think it's just just sit back and look at the lay in the land and see what's there. Wait for the contract to run out, see what happens. Mm. If it's better at McLaren, stay at McLaren because you already know the situation there already. So, and if Red Bull becomes available and Max Verstappen says, do you know what? I'd rather do WEC. I don't like Formula One anymore. Then yeah. you go for the number one driver's seat in Red Bull because they're just going to throw you the money and you'll become the number one driver. So it's really about, I think. I'm going to go for... You've given it four, right? Yeah, I, gave, I said Take, four. Uh, I would say it's a five. I totally agree. A five it is. Wow, okay, fair enough. No, again... Great takes this episode. So the guys on Twitter who sent sent these in, brilliant, because they really got me thinking for a, for a, for a good while on this one. Before I go, a couple of notices. First up, people have been asking about the sprint and a special episode on that. Hold that thought for a couple of weeks. The last sprint is this weekend in Brazil. We've got a free week between that and Las Vegas. If you have a way to improve the sprint besides getting rid of it. We all know that some people just don't want it. I get that. If you've got a way that you might want to improve it, save your take for a couple of weeks' time. I promise I will do a full-blown sprint special episode of Hot Takes Wednesday coming very, very soon. So stay forward. Keep keep your eyes peeled for that as well, I would say. Mahad, before you go, tell the good people where they can find you. Uh, Catch us on McLaren Fan TV on YouTube. Streams every Tuesday after the race. Uh, catch me oddly on the last lap sometimes I'm always going on there and uh, I also host a debate platform called Pit Stop Fracker catch us every every week to do episodes on every podcast platform and YouTube yeah please give Mahad the bump up from us he does you know, one of the best guests we've had on this show I, 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 I cannot speak highly enough of how good he is and look I shouldn't be saying this, but Niran's Niran's a good mucker. Um, and the last lap podcast is a good, is a is a damn good spot. So do bump my hat up where you can where you can. Give him a pop up from us. He's been fantastic. We'll be back next week after the Brazilian Grand Prix for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. He's been Mahad. Thank you very much for listening. Take care.